This is Pixelated Audio, and you're listening to another expansion pack. Welcome back to another episode of the bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast, Pixelated Audio. We are your hosts. I'm Brian, and this is James. Hey. And today we have another expansion pack lined up for you guys, so hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and if you're new to the show, you might be wondering, what is an expansion pack? Basically, Brian and I listen to a lot of video game music, and we just write down tracks that we've come across we really enjoy and that we haven't gotten to do an episode on. Yeah, you learn something new, you might hear something new. Some of the stuff you might already know, so mm-hmm. you know it's new to us. James picked a bunch of tracks. I don't know what his picks are, and I picked a bunch, and he has no idea what I got, so it's going to be fun for us to kind of discover stuff as well. Yeah, so that first track you heard was one of my picks, and it was called Metropolis Kid from Death and Return of Superman on the Super Nintendo. That's a pretty pretty rad track. That guitar, I, man, sounds like a sounds like a car engine. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's very grungy. I, I didn't expect it for the Super Nintendo. I thought it, maybe if I would heard this track by itself, I maybe would have guessed Genesis. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, why did you pick this track? Um, I usually listen to the music on random when I have a chance. Um, so I put the entire library on random, and this one came up, and I it really kind of. Uh, sparked my ear i kind of was like whoa what is this so i looked into it and i was like oh man the death and return of superman i never played this game as a kid uh, but i love superman and i was really into comic books and the obviously the death of superman was like one of the biggest comic series ever yeah um and so i didn't know they made a game based on it which this is actually based on the entire death and return of superman series so throughout the game you get to play as superman superboy steel cyborg and the eradicator so that's pretty cool yeah you know i rented this game and i just don't remember much about it must not have been all that great so Uh, i played it recently and it was pretty fun it it wasn't like an amazing it's a it's a 2d side scrolling beat-em-up it's not like amazing but it's it's pretty fun there was a lot of like alien type things that i didn't quite remember from was this in the arcades well uh, that I don't know. This was just the, the Super Nintendo version that uh, popped up in, right, the, in right. the library. So I would assume it probably would have made a very good arcade game if it didn't. So. Yeah. Well, it's got a very arcadey feel, right? It's yeah. Like a beat 'em up, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you just you start out as Superman and you're just side scrolling, punching things, and and you can fly and you can shoot beams out of your eyes, which is pretty cool. And then see, you... like you can actually just fly and you just stay flying. Oh, that's cool. So you can actually avoid guys and then drop down where they're at and so you can avoid taking damage which is pretty cool and then you die and then you yeah. and then you return yeah basically game over <laughs> yeah. 
So it's pretty cool. Uh, so who composed this? So this game was composed by Glenn Stafford and Michael Morhaime. Some of you that are Blizzard fans would know Michael Morhaime is the president and co-founder of Blizzard Entertainment, which this game was co-developed with Sunsoft by Blizzard. Okay. So Sunsoft is added again, making another DC comic book into a game, yeah. uh, which we talked about with uh, Batman. Yeah, their license titles are insane. Like mm -hmm. they've got so many. I mean, you know, some of them are a little hit and miss, but I mean, the, the fact that they pulled off these licenses and did the development for it, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, and this was in the the mid '90s, so this was 1994, so this was kind of like a really good time for you know beat 'em ups and side scrolling 2D stuff like that. So oh, yeah, and so Glenn Stafford. Before we move on and don't mention anything about him, he's done games like The Lost Vikings for DOS. Justice League Task Force for Super Nintendo and Heroes of the Storm for Windows and OS X. So the track was really rad. Like yeah, I said, I it just it. kind of, I like to do, like put on the music when I'm at work because I can do whatever and there's no lyrics. So it doesn't keep me from, from working on stuff. So right. um, I'm in the same boat. I listen to a lot of game music throughout the day because it keeps me, keeps me kind of focused on mm -hmm. my, you know, I like some kind of rhythm and, and melody in the background, but I don't like a lot of lyrics because right. I start kind of fixating on, on, you know them and it kind of mm -hmm. throws me off and and because i'm looking at numbers and code all day long so it's right. hard to kind of make a difference you know yeah in, in in what i'm hearing and versus what i'm seeing you know and i'm trying to keep those things separate but yeah i get what you mean yeah so it was one of those tracks that just snapped me out of what i was working on and was like because i can get very very focused on things i've had people come to my office and come and stand next to me and then they freak me out and am i desk faces the door of my office so um it's like i can get that sucked in so for a song to kind of pull me out of that it just by hearing it i usually will write those tracks down and this was one and normally what i'll do is i'll go back and listen to the rest of the album and i really like the entire album to this game but this track still was one that stood out to me very cool so are we going to move on to one of my picks yeah all right so the track we got up is called you've got to eat your vegetables so let's listen to that and then i'll tell you about the game in a sec That was You've Got to Eat Your Vegetables for Commander Keen's Secret of the Oracle, composed by Bobby Prince. Nice. Yeah, that was a sweet track. Yeah, I love how the track just takes its time. It does. It makes you wait for the, the notes, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's so synthy, which is really neat. Yeah, and everything kind of comes in at its own pace. It just mm -hmm. does what it wants to do, like you are saying. It's just kind of, when it wants to play a little melody here and there, it does. Mm -hmm. And when it wants to just go back into that, you know, kind of bass line, yeah, whatever. Just chill. I was trying to trying to just listen to the game and figure out what what it was. I've never played Commander Keen. Um, it has popped up in the library on random before, but uh, I I didn't I couldn't have guessed. Did so. you see the speed runs on uh, SGDQ this year? I think I missed that one. Yeah, those are always fun to do, fun to watch. But I mean, we ended up watching so many a day that. Yeah, yeah. No, Commander Keen was really important to me as a kid. I I loved it. It was one of 
my favorite platforming DOS games. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is much later. So the game came out in 1991 for DOS. And I remember having the disc for this and just thinking like, wow, like this is like way more advanced than Mario. I was still a huge mm -hmm. Mario fan, but I was like, well, this is way more advanced. But I mean, granted, this is 1991. This is, yeah. you know, there was already a lot of stuff coming out. And this was, I think I played it on an EGA monitor at the time. So it wasn't like the most gorgeous color palette but mm -hmm. it does look really fun the colors are really, really vibrant if you've never played the game at all it's i guess it's just kind of like a platformer it does kind of steal the ducktails like pogo techniques mm -hmm. and stuff like that but it's cool you go into this overworld and you see uh different towns you can go into them and that's a level mm -hmm. and uh there's different little bad guys and they all look ridiculous they're all happy smiling yeah they're like slugs and stuff yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. so uh, like without i mean like i said i didn't play this game so but it, when you were mentioning it, it sounded very familiar with watching a speed run and there were like slugs and pogos yeah. and stuff like that so yeah i, th I do think i remember seeing this and it, it kind of has like an alien planet ish yeah, feel to it I'll, so this story is an eight-year-old genius named bobby blaze aka commander keen he receives this interstellar transmission while working on a galaxy radio receiver and so he's a genius so he's mm -hmm. like doing all this stuff in his you know secret laboratory in a secret laboratory and while the transmission gets really choppy, he manages to figure out that the, the galaxy is once again in danger because this is like a few iterations into the series, mm -hmm. right? An alien race called the Shak Shakati, I think it is. I, I don't know. Even as a kid, I didn't really know. Anyways, they're you know going to threaten the planet and he has to consult the Oracle. But anyways, as it turns out, you basically just have to go save these council members, mm -hmm. which are like the Oracle. And it kind of goes from there. I don't remember the story that well. I right. mean, I kind of looked some of this up to rejog my memory. But it's a, you know, it's a really fun game. I liked it a lot. Bobby Prince. Have we played anything? From I don't know. It sound, it, the name sounds very familiar, but I don't think we've mentioned him on the podcast. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. So kind of here's his, his breakdown. He, he goes to school and gets his BA in psychology around 1966. And then he starts grad school and then leaves halfway through to join the army. And then while he's in the army, he goes to school and gets his master's in counseling. Then he decides to study law enforcement, which leads him into law school. And then he passes the bar exam. Wow. So I, he's done all this stuff. But then in 1981, he saw a message board on um, on Prodigy asking people interested in like, you know, music composition for computer games. And so he responds to this message. And uh, then he was contacted by Scott Miller of Apogee. Mm -hmm. This kind of led him into talking to John Romero of id Software. And he, you know, ended up in this music career. And I mean, nice. like this guy goes, I mean, what a transition, right? Yeah. He goes through getting his degree in psychology through the, you know, law school, the army and all this stuff. And now he's a composer. Yeah. So, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. He worked with id from 1991 to, I think, 94, 95. And he did Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. He wow. did the music for Duke Nukem 2, Spear of Destiny, and Abuse. Abuse is a great game. I love that game. And uh, he also did uh, two other Commander Keen titles. So wow. well, we've heard his stuff. I, mm -hmm. There's tons of our uh, his stuff in, in the library. We have on, you know, random every now and then. I'm sure it pops up. But, you know, I, I heard this, and it meant a lot to me. So mm -hmm. I wanted to, to throw it in there. And that's just cool to hear his background and stuff like that to see how he took a very roundabout route to getting to what he ended up turning into a career. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe we still have a chance, dude. You can mm. quit being an artist. I can quit yeah. being an engineer and we can you know, change our, change our paths, change our histories. Nice. Anyways, I think you're up next. Yeah. So I'm going to play my next track is going to be called volcano area two from a game called dragon spirit. Awesome. Let's check that out. Thank you. 
So the track you just heard was Volcano Area 2 from Dragon Spirit on the TurboGrafx-16. Man, James. Yeah, you got to return your seat to the upright position. <laughs> no, that was that was wild, dude. That was yeah. so good. Oh, uh, man, I, this this track came on and just blew my mind. Like, I was like, what? Like, And it turns out I've played the, some of the stuff that's related to this game, and I was just like, whoa, this track was just insane. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Spirit, like, I, I know about the game. I just mm-hmm. never really, I guess I never really soloed out the music and just listened to this track specific. It's so good, dude. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, what's going on at like a minute 15 where the that organ solo goes off? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's I mean, this, so good. this track is so dramatic and that pitch bending is so good. Oh my god, like, yeah. I can't, I can just, as soon as they do that, I just, I melt. Like, I hear the pitch bending and I just melt. Oh man. I mean, I can really see, I can really imagine someone just going to town, like just rocking out like with their eyes closed just jamming away and oh this is so good what what i liked about that organ solo is that there sounds like there's little mistakes in there like it mm-hmm. sounds so like like an actual person jamming away that yeah. like you can hear like the little imperfections and it just sounds so wild it sounds so cool and then again at the end there's that kind of like panning left and right mm-hmm. oh dude wild wild yeah. track there were so many cool things in this i mean i loved how it started out kind of slow and then it just builds and builds and builds and builds and it was just just i mean i guess if so in the game you're playing on a dragon so i guess if you're gonna write music for riding a dragon like that's that's what it would be yeah this is the music this is basically dragon writing music yeah totally that you've that's a genre in its own now yeah so i mean this track was composed by shinji hosoe Uh and I mean, this was his first game credit. Was Dragon oh, no Spirit? Kidding. And no kidding. We, I mean, we've, I thought we've talked about him on the show, but maybe no. I thought so too. We talked about it, but uh, I mean, he's done some amazing stuff. So some of the games on his credit list are Final Lap Two, Dragon Saber, which is the arcade sequel to this game. There's Ridge Racer One and Two, Tekken, Street Fighter EX, EX Two, and EX Three, Bushido Blade, and Tetris Grandmaster. Which I mean, we've been talking about how amazing the music is for Tetris Grandmaster. Oh, yeah. So I mean, just stellar stuff i mean a huge list of great games so much energy the guy just brings it like mm-hmm. in this in this game and you know sometimes pc engine stuff can sound really really good and sometimes it can sound really really um distorted kind of scratchy like mm-hmm. this hu- like this hum at first i was thinking oh maybe it's like the, the playback emulation maybe it just doesn't sound right you know mm-hmm. i'll check my drivers and maybe try to tweak stuff and it just doesn't change popping this game i actually have this game mm-hmm. on pc engine nice and you throw, you know, I haven't checked this game specifically, but you, you listen to a track and uh, like a PC Engine game and you throw it in the system and you're like, you know what, that that buzz, that hum is still there. That's actually in the game. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about it. It's just how it is. And so uh, this this is just very clean all the way through. It doesn't mm-hmm. have that that staticky sound. That, and I think that's just amazing. Great pick, dude. Yeah, I mean, and one thing where when I found out that you, you're playing, you're riding a dragon, like the bass to that song, it like the beat to it, felt like a heartbeat so it was almost like it, it it gave me the impression that like i'm riding this dragon i can feel its heartbeat yeah so the game is a vertical scrolling shooter that was released in 1987 on the arcade first and then came to turbo graphic 16 and sense. one thing that was cool about it was that it retained a lot of the look from the arcade game except for it only had eight levels instead of the arcades nine so okay. there was a little bit of a downgrade in the number of levels but it really held up a lot of the look and feel of i the wonder why titles. they took it out. i wonder if it was like space requirement differences or yeah, something maybe like that. but uh yeah no i i have played this before mm-hmm. and uh i just 
it's been a while since I, you know, fired it up. So mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell you much about it, but uh, I remember it being enjoyable for, for the mm-hmm. most part. I, I don't yeah, know. I mean, Namco did a really good job. So this game was developed and published by Namco. It was developed by NEC for the TurboGrafx-16, though. Okay. So it, it had a little bit of a different change there, but it was great to see that they kept everything that was faithful about the game. And I mean, this appeared on other systems, too. It was on the Amiga, the Amistrad, the Atari ST, the C64, the X68000, the ZX Spectrum, and even the Famicom NES. So okay. um, it, was, it got ported everywhere, which was really cool to see. It also saw a semi-sequel on the Famicom NES called Dragon Spirit, The New Legend, but was basically more of like an altered port. Okay, so I, I've never played that and don't know anything about it. Yeah, so. me either. Yeah, I wonder if the music's any good. I'm sure we can check that out later. Yeah. So I guess it's time to move on to one your next pick. Yeah, so my next pick here. Uh, well, okay, let's slow down the pace a little bit right. because this is a little bit more mellow. This is not a random pick. I actually have a, a reason behind this, but okay. I was kind of having this like nostalgia geek out and I was like, oh man, I got I to gotta play this track. I've never talked about this game and it's kind of a weird point in my life that uh that I, that i played it so mm-hmm. this track is called well it's just background music three and the game is tokyo bus guide nice That was background music three from Tokyo Bus Guide for the Sega Dreamcast. Wow. I can't say I've heard too many songs like that. It's got that acoustic guitar mixed with kind of like a reggae bass. Beat. Yeah. I thought that was and very then that, cool. that, that weird synth on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. They've definitely just uh, gotten a very eclectic group of sounds and turned it into a very mellow, fun track. Yeah. So I don't have a composer for this track. I, I looked. I mm-hmm. looked everywhere. It was developed and was published by 45. Mm-hmm. And they've done a few other things like Armadillo on the Famicom. I'm sure that's a rings a bell, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Doraemon 3 and Fawcett Armor for TurboGrafx CD. And uh, I, like I said, I looked for a composer. Mm-hmm. I spent probably about well more time than I'm willing to admit looking. <laughs> and I was just, you know, looking on different boards and looking yeah. at like company history and who'd worked there. And really, it was just some 
you know, in-house band that, or maybe not even in-house band, maybe it was just like a contracted band that, yeah. that did this. So, I mean, a lot of these instruments are, are live instruments. You can tell, I mean, mm-hmm. you listen to the guitar, beautiful guitar yeah. in there, but you can hear the, the sliding and scratching on the on the strings. Mm-hmm. And for me, that, that characteristic is just so awesome. I love it. Yeah, I mean, in early systems, you couldn't do that. So when they get to the Dreamcast and the PlayStation, things like that, where they could actually use real instruments, you got that real feel of someone playing and you could add all those little like hidden touches and those little imperfections. You know, like how we talked about on the Dragon Spirit song, like those imperfections made that song seem even cooler. Whereas right. on the Dreamcast, they could take that to a whole new level and actually have someone really playing real instruments. Yeah, so. well, I mean, it's just guys sitting there playing, mm-hmm. you know, guitar and the, I don't, I don't know, it's slide whistle, whatever that was. I don't know. He was playing a synth or something. But, uh, no, the, the game is fun, though. It came out in 1999 for the Dreamcast. It was ported later to the PS2, 2001. And this was a weird title for me. And it meant it, I picked this specifically because I was listening to it. I was like, man, I remember this game. And how many like people like in the U.S. like can say they remember this weird game that came out in Japan only? It was because I had a friend who was like, it was burning a lot of drop. Japanese like Dreamcast games mm-hmm. and he burned this one he's like I don't this doesn't sound any good he's like he handed it to me and I was like well I'll try it out I didn't speak Japanese at the time this is 99 because mm-hmm. I didn't move there until 2000 I think and uh, so I had no idea what I was doing but I spent so much time trying to figure out and what the game is Tokyo Bus Guide just like it sounds it's a bus driving simulation game nice where you're driving city buses and you're picking up people bringing them to the next bus stop and dropping them off. But with traffic and different road conditions and road signs and mm-hmm. and timing restraints, the game like changes. And it was so weird to me that I got so into it. And now I'm starting to think like, why did I like this game so much? <laughs> but no, it was, it was really fun. And there's, so about the game, there's three different routes selectable in the game. So you can do Niji, the first line, which is uh, across the Rainbow Bridge in Tokyo Bay. And then there's uh, 70 line, which is then the Shinjuku Ward. And this line was decommissioned in 2000. So this is like like the last time you can like, see mm-hmm. it in its 3D environment, I guess. Anyways, and then there's also the Ume 76 line, which is this rural route in Western Tokyo. And um, all the routes can be driven at noon, in the evening, at night. And, you know, they have different respective traffic. So, mm-hmm. you know, during rush hour, there's going to be a lot more, you know, condensed, you know, traffic on the street. And uh, I think it was really cool. It's also the the amount of passengers change. So maybe mm-hmm. at noon you get just a bunch of little old women that you know get on the bus. Yeah. And then around six o'clock you get everybody getting off the of parties and yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. I can I can see that being really interesting. There's a lot of weird simulation games that you would think are like really stupid, and then you you play them and you're like, oh, this is actually kind of kind of interesting. Like yeah. Uh, like you get a glimpse as to what it might be like to do that type of job. Right. And I think I would just. I mean, I've always thought like driving, having to drive for a living would be a punishment for me. So I, <laughs> I would probably be like, no, thanks. I don't want to deal with traffic. I don't want to deal with bus riders and stuff like that. But that's very cool that, that even though your friend was like, uh, this game is probably not very good. You he didn't even like, try, it. try it out. And, and, and then boom, like you love the music and it's I, very interesting music. I love the music. I, I love the game. I don't know why I got so into it, but I really did. And I was like really focused on like, okay, like, oh man, like. I just had all these passengers bored and I don't want to close the door too soon. That lady looks like she needs a little extra time. Let me, <laughs> let me just wait for her. Okay. She put in her, okay, that's good. Okay. I'm just, Oh, there's somebody in the back who, who's standing up. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, pull over and let him off. All right. Uh, 
Got a red light coming up. Let me slowly. Like, yeah, I got, you don't I got stop some, abruptly. I got some old women in the back, so I don't, definitely don't want to stop too soon. So I'm going to kind of <laughs> ease into this one. And then, it, but it's really hard because you, if you start messing up, like it starts going, and you like start losing all these points. And you, you can only have, you can only go down so much before your satisfaction level is, is you know, shot and mm-hmm. the, it's game over. But um, it was really interesting too because a mini game could be downloaded to the VMU. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Anything it's, that includes the VMU is was always fun. It's not much, and there there wasn't really a lot with VMU games that you could do, but mm-hmm. just that little extra bit, I think, yeah. was cool. So what it was is Japanese road signs. Uh-huh. It was a quiz game based on Japanese road signs. Oh, that's cool. So you would see the road sign, it would show up, and you got to pick what uh, answer was the mm-hmm. the correct thing. So it's like, this is slow down, this is yield, this is, you know, whatever. And uh, so it's just a little tidbit. Yeah, wish I could have found the composer. I'm still it's gonna mm-hmm. bug me for a while. Sometimes that uh, the hunt is is fun. I know we were hunting a lot when we played um, what was it uh, Sonic Pocket Adventure. We had a lot of trouble finding the composer, which oh. we didn't end up finding. But we found a lot of threads that led to that's right. That pointed at a person that we weren't you know we weren't given the information on who they were, but uh, that was fun. I remember both of us were like, oh, we found out something new. So yeah. I can see how you could get sucked into searching and what kind of spurred me into playing this game was Densha Day Go and I had another friend who got me really into Densha Day Go which is a train simulation game mm-hmm. and I and I really liked it this is I think for the either it was PlayStation 1 or Saturn he had the the he imported all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. uh, name was Raul and he had the the actual train mechanism wow and he got me really into that so I can see sure. that being really fun I mean kids love trains and, and machinery oh I don't, still... I don't hear too many kids they're like I want to be a bus driver then <laughs> but... day goes still around still they still release it on different awesome. platforms it's even on Neo Geo pocket color I have that oh, wow. copy. you got to check it out yeah anyways uh, so moving on to your next track James what do you got for us so I'm gonna play a game that is known for very good music the track is called strange memories of death from gimmick awesome
The track you just heard was Strange Memories of Death from Gimmick. Sorry to switch it back to something a little more intense. <laughs> <laughs> that was rad, though. I mean, you really hear all those those extra channels. It's so, so rich, so clean. I mean, this, is developed, this game has developed a very cult following, I think, right. in the, just in the last few years, it, I, specifically for its music. And, uh, I mean, relatively, when this game came out, it wasn't, I don't think, even popular at all. I mean, it didn't even come here. So Right, yeah. I was actually looking into that, and I saw that uh, it was a very interesting thing. I guess the Swedish uh, game publisher or game retailer or whatever it's called where they buy up the titles and then distribute I guess a distributor. Okay. Um, they bought up the rights to it and then it was just so unpopular that it didn't really go anywhere else. So I guess there is like I guess a, um, a European version but right. it's, it was sold so poorly and it has was in such limited stock that it's like super sought after. It's like incredibly rare. Yeah they so, called it Mr. Gimmick in Europe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it was just like something I'd never heard of. And uh, I, I was like, oh, man, I really heard this awesome track for, from Gimmick. And you were like, oh, yeah, Gimmick has amazing music. And I was like, okay, cool. So I looked into it more. And I thought the story was a little bit interesting. It has like a Toy Story feel to it. Like, Yeah. Um, have, this, you, have you played it? No, I've never it played it. I haven't popped it on through emulation or anything, yeah. which I, I want to, um, after, especially after looking into it. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, a platformer. It's not what I expected with hearing the music. But, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I guess this little girl gets a like a doll, and all the other she loves it, and all the other dolls kind of get jealous, so they steal the girl and kind of take her to this other dimension. So the little guy that you play as, which kind of looks like a green Kirby with a like a unicorn horn, um, um, <laughs> all I guess, right. Yeah, I guess his name is Yumitaro, um, and uh, so he goes and saves her, so he becomes the little hero. So I expected something not so cute-ish looking, like because it's this little puffy guy with a horn right uh trying to save this girl but um it looks i mean it looks clean it looks fun um so i i, I do want to try it out have you have you seen the box art for this game yeah it's it horrible a, yeah it's well <laughs> it's, i thought it was i thought it was interesting it has like this clay look to it like it has a 3d uh 3d look to yeah. it. it looked more like a um not necessarily box art but more like an arcade flyer yeah to yeah, me. yeah um but uh, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I mean, he's like this cute little like South Park looking guy. <laughs> yeah. So why, why did you pick this track? This was another one. Like I said, I like to play him on random and uh-huh. this just blew my mind and kind of I also, I felt like I had to play. So I've had this on my list to play for a long time. But right. I, I thought it paired up pretty well with some of the other tracks that I had picked. And, and like you said, since I didn't know your tracks, I didn't know that you were going a little more mellow today. And yeah. So I was going a little bit more intense. So, so um, sorry if you guys are listening and you're trying to gauge the, the, the <laughs> speed of the show. It's going to be all over the place. But yeah. yeah, that's what these kind of shows are for. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was just a really rich track. It just there is a lot there's a lot going on and there's a really strong melody and that's always just very I don't know, it has a Sunsoft feel to me. It does mm-hmm. it has a Capcom feel to me actually. It you know, almost like a Mega Man feel at the same time. Yeah, when I saw the screenshots of the game it immediately made me think of Mega Man. Okay. Um, like the colors and kind of like the layouts and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see that. But um, yeah, it's another Sunsoft, ga- uh, Sunsoft game. So that's two Sunsoft in a row for me. Well, actually, two today. Yeah. Um, it just, for some reason, Sunsoft, the music is just so good. Just they just keep you. they keep me hooked. So, so this game was composed by Masashi Kageyama. I guess there's really not a lot known about him. It says that he worked for Sunsoft for a few years, doing games like Outlive, Benki Gaiden, 
Pudumui, Pudumui, and you know, a bunch of others. Uh, solitaire, something. Good like that. attempt there. That was that was good. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Hey, I don't speak Japanese. Yeah, the, so. but the track is really, really rich, yeah. and I, I, I love how just how much detail he's putting into it, and he really has a lot more to work with. He doesn't mm-hmm. have just the standard four channels of the NES. He's mm-hmm. got seven to work with because this game. I think the reason why it's become such a cult hit is because really utilizing a new add-on edition mm-hmm. it's a memory management controller for uh that some soft use for some of their titles um may- maybe it was only this game i have to double check on that but it's a yamaha ym2149 psg and it adds three different channels and that just gives you so much more mm-hmm. complexity and more depth to the simple nes tracks so i think that's why you know stuff like this can sound almost like a modern chip tune mm-hmm. in the sense that there it has so many more channels to work with than what we're used to hearing yeah, that kind of blew me away when I saw Famicom NES. I was just like, wow, this sounds so nuts. Like, I when I put it on random, I thought this was maybe like a modern indie game or something like that. Someone doing some chiptune sounds, but just had no limitations for channels. And um, I mean, when I saw 1992, I was like, whoa, this is nuts. So I can definitely see why this game has a huge following for the music because this was just insane for 92. Yeah, it's funny hearing that that first track that I came in with from 1991, the Commander Keen. It's so goofy and silly, mm-hmm. but it does sound very simple compared yeah. to even this, you know, mm-hmm. which was only a year later. There's there's so much more complexity in it. And I think it was an awesome track. Anyways, are you ready for my next pick? Yeah, I'm excited and ready and waiting. Okay, so I had a few that I was kind of debating on, but I think I'm going to go ahead and go with this title. It is the title theme, and it's from Yoshi Touch and Go on the Nintendo DS. heard the title theme from Yoshi Touch and Go or Catch Touch Yoshi in Japan and it was composed by Toru Minigishi, Asuka Ota and Kazumi Totaka. You're really digging that uh, acoustic guitar and kind of mellow sound today. <laughs> I, I think when I was like planning out the, the, the songs I wanted to play 
I was in a bathtub and <laughs> just like soaking in some hot water and Brian touch and go. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh, but no, it's, it's a red track and I, I loved this game. Yeah. I, I played on, I mean, I spent so many hours playing this game. It was a, it was a really fun one. I, I don't know if you ever got a chance to, to try it out, but no, I'm, I'm kind of trying to play some backtrack on uh, catching up on DS games. I, that was a system I'd never had until recently, so I only have a handful of games that I've played. So. Right. Well, you should borrow this one because I, I still have it, and it's great. Nice. Um, I picked this track because, I, again, it's just had a really a mellow vibe. I love the the strings in the, the guitar. The whistling is always welcome mm-hmm. for me when it's done right. It, it's not... So unlike Wild Arms, we had where we had real person whistling. This is sampled, mm-hmm. and so it, it doesn't have the same charm. I think with you know having a live you know person with like the you know the minor flaws and mm-hmm. like the wind blowing you know out of the mouth. Kind of you can hear all these these imperfections, but these realistic you know sounds that are just generated naturally. Mm-hmm. But it still sounds really clean. It's really polished yeah this track itself was actually just a remix from yoshi's island it's the music box theme from yoshi's island okay on super nintendo so i i connected with this track right away when i played this game i was like oh man this is this is i know this from somewhere and i couldn't put the the two pieces together and then i i realized oh yeah this is just another yoshi game Mm -hmm. but uh no it's a great track and i i love the kind of accompaniment on the guitar with the the whistling and the the other piano and the other instruments and the the drums keep or the percussion kind of keeps the the beat a little bit more upbeat and mm-hmm. the movement going it's a, it's a cool one yeah it felt very happy and and bright and sunny to me um the whistling to me i actually really liked i thought it 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 was very sampled but i thought that gave it a feel of almost like a bird instead of like a person so it, to me it kind of added to the feel of a yoshi game where it's it's very kind of uh fun and I, I could see it as almost like um like how disney uses birds and they're like it's it's something great and it adds like character to it and um, right so i could see that in a yoshi game and i thought this felt very yoshi like to me it was very fun and and kind of mellow and and but very very well done i mean the like you were saying a lot of these instruments are, they go together so well right. the way that everything was written in the progression was just really well done it's very tight and clean right and i mean it didn't have a lot of those flaws like we've talked about in some of the other tracks, but I thought it was very, very well done. So it didn't feel just like mechanical and dead. It was, it was very, it felt very live. Yeah. yeah. And it, all these Yoshi games are really, that's the mood that, that they want to set. You know, Mario mm-hmm. games and stuff in general are usually really happy, but Yoshi does have its own kind of tone to it. They're mm-hmm. a little bit more laid back, a little bit more chirpy. And like you said, mm-hmm. they do have a lot of like bird, I, I guess nature, sounds yeah, that are yeah thrown in and uh it's just a it was a fun track i could listen to it over and over and mm-hmm. we actually played it a few times so yeah <laughs> it was, it's a cool track though the composers toro minigishi uh he's the main composer of the legend of zelda twilight princess nice. and he's worked with a ton of other composers at nintendo like pokemon stadium uh mario artist animal crossing mario sunshine majora's mask wind waker phantom hourglass spirit tracks mario kart 7 mario 3d world mario party 10 splatoon i I mean, there's just, there's too many. I already read off way more than mm-hmm. I should have, but he's just done so much stuff and it's, uh, it's a phenomenal composer. He just knows yeah. how to have fun with the, the instruments, knows how to make, I guess like your childhood kind of comes out mm-hmm. and I was already, you know, I think in college when this game came out and it just brought me back and it was just like, whoa, this is so yeah, happy. It kind of reminds you of like playing outside during the summer. 
but like those those games, I mean, there's a variety of sounds that are coming out of those games. Like not all those are very bright, happy, you know, sunshine sounding games. But I, so it shows that he has an amazing talent across a large variety of sounds, and all those games are pretty much known for having amazing music. Yeah, there's two other composers: this Asuka Ota, and she uh, also worked on a ton of games at Nintendo with a bunch of other of her coworkers. So some of her titles include the Spirit Tracks, Zelda mm-hmm. Spirit Tracks, uh, We Fit Plus. Mario Kart for Wii, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. I mean, everybody's worked on Brawl, Smash yeah. Brothers games at one point. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers and Zelda: The Four Swords Adventures. So, a, a lot of other. I mean, all these Nintendo composers. We we know all their stuff, and it's like mm-hmm. every time we talk about one of them, it's like, oh man, they've done such amazing stuff. Well, they've all done amazing yeah. stuff. Nintendo yeah. doesn't put out very many duds. Like yeah. pretty much all their games are hits. So nope. anyone that's worked on anything, it's they're gonna pop up. And then of course, Kazumi Totaka. Mm-hmm. We talked about him. That's Mr. KK Slider right there, and mm-hmm. just a ton of stuff. I mean we've already talked about in fact we talked about on the last expansion pack I yeah think, with i Kevin. think that's what was yeah 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 so a ton of stuff awesome soundtrack all this the songs in this game are just really fun the game itself it's it revolves around yoshi and baby mario and luigi and it makes use of the touch screen and the microphone on the mm-hmm. ds so it's a really it's a really simple like arcade game if you haven't played it it's basically just you trying to improve on your own score there's not really like this deep complexity in right. like levels and levels. It's really just you enjoying one. Mo- it's what you would see probably today in like an iOS kind mm-hmm. of style game where it's a very arcade like experience. You just try to get a better score and outdo yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's really fun because you can like walk around. So Yoshi continuously walks forward and use the stylus to draw little, little cloud paths okay. and he kind of follows those around. So it's a lot like the new Kirby game. Yeah. Rainbow curse, rainbow yeah. curse. Yeah. It's a, a lot like that. And Yoshi can throw eggs at enemies and uh, he can, you know, you could blow on the, on the microphone mm-hmm. and all the clouds will disappear. Oh wow. Cool. Yeah. So it's really cool. You can get like different chain attacks and use the stylus to, draw where you want to to shoot the the eggs at enemies so there's all these little kind of micromanaging things that you have to do while yoshi progresses Mm -hmm. forward and uh, it just made it to be a very fun enjoyable game to just pick up anytime and and play and i i loved it so yeah it definitely sounds like something i would be into to messing around with yeah anyways let's move on to your track i think it's your last one yeah this is gonna be my last one so um Unfortunately for you listeners, I'm going to switch it back up to something a little bit more intense and we're going to go with an Amiga track. So the track is called Hip 7 Intro Credits from Lethal Excess.
You just heard intro credits one from Lethal Excess on the Amiga. Wow, dude. <laughs> that eight minutes was a wild ride. Yeah, I mean there was there was probably like five or six songs at least in that. Yeah, one you could song. have you could have just done all your picks on that one yeah. and, and been fine. Just play just different br- sections. Just broken it up. Yeah, I got this really <laughs> I was writing down, I was thinking in my head, like, okay, what does it sound like? And it started off, I wrote down, hold on, let me see here. I wrote down eighties. Juicy Fruit commercial. You <laughs> love that Juicy Fruit commercial. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's been in my head for a year. But I imagine like these big puffy pink shirts, like uh, ski shirts and like some tight white ski pants and people just bolting down the hill. <laughs> and then uh, changes from Juicy Fruit commercial to 90s cop drama. I, I can think, see that. Yeah. I think it's pretty accurate. And then it just goes all over the place. Yeah. I mean, it. there was... Um, just so many great things. There was so much progression. There's so many different parts to it, but I really love the echoes and that synth guitar was just wailing away. And there was parts that felt very triumphant and some that kind of felt a little bit more dramatic. And I mean, there's just, I mean, you could dissect this song and write like a thesis on it. I guess, so. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot going in there. And it wasn't until the last like 30 seconds of this track that that intro part kind of made a return. I thought mm-hmm. that was so wild that like you were saying you're like wow seven minutes later and we hear that that one part again and i think that was way cool to come back to because oh my god i haven't heard this i feel like i haven't heard this in a while and you're like well yeah you haven't because it's been you know seven minutes and 30 seconds so yeah it's it's a wild track good pick yeah i don't know how i actually picked this one though i mean well I, i mean i did put it on random but i mean what part of the song drew my attention because i probably thought i was listening to four or five songs because i wasn't you know, actually actively looking at the screen and yeah. then I was just playing. I was like, well, this song is really just keeps going and keeps going. And yeah, I mean, I expected the first time I listened to it, I expected it to kind of get, get back to that beginning a little right. bit, you know, kind of make it full circle, but I didn't expect it to take eight minutes to do it. So yeah, it's funny. I'm glad you picked an Amiga track. Cause I have like, I mean, it's, it's almost not an expansion pack now without one Amiga track or, right. you know, Commodore 64 track. But um, I, I had one on the list, too, and I was like, maybe I'll just wait. And I'm glad that you, you, you uh, bit the bullet because uh, I have I could save that for later. Well, we can't play too many in a row. We're going to have 40 minutes just in two Amiga, tra- <laughs> two Amiga tracks. So. Yeah, no, that was a cool track, though. Good pick. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about this game? Because I don't really know much about it. I, I thought, like, you know, Lethal Excess, I, I know this, mm-hmm. but I think that's just because I ripped this album. Yeah, I don't it, think it's it, because I actually played it. Yeah, it pops up a lot for me. Um, so the, the game was composed by Jochen Hippel, which um, is a German composer. Right. Uh, and he's done some games like uh, Wings of Death, Turrican 2, and he did the credits of 3, Turrican 3, I guess. Okay. Um, like, he co-composed those, right? Yeah, and then um, another one that he's really big, uh, really really well known from is Amber Star. Okay. Um, so the game is another vertical shooter. Um, okay. So like I said, on the Amiga. And the game was developed by two members of the demo crew, Extral. Uh, and these guys are Claus, Frein, and Heinz Rudolph. And the game was really well liked by critics, I guess, but was a huge commercial failure. Oh, no. Um, and I guess this kind of drove these two guys to leave the game industry and become IT consultants. So uh, they're probably making a lot more money now, but I mean, uh, it could be. I mean, if, if money is the the thing that you want, then you probably shouldn't be in the game industry anyway. But well, we see that a lot. We see a lot of demo scene groups. They're like, Hey, we, we've been doing all these demos and mm-hmm. stuff for so long. Let's, we should actually make a, a company out of this and try to do something with our, with our talents. And yeah. Some of them do really, really well. Like, look at Zerinks. You know, yeah. they well. Okay. They did well for a they, while. They did well for a while, <laughs> and um, th- but then you get like other companies like this, and you know they 
kind of fall off the the face of the earth and it's it's too bad because they really all these guys have a ton of talent this music mm-hmm. is phenomenal the the graphics and stuff look amazing yeah and it, uh, it yeah, looks very it. fun it had a it had a really kind of interesting story so this is not the first game in the series um, this is a sequel to the 1990s game called wings of death so they chose an okay. interesting way to name their game so it doesn't I mean, they could have been Wings of Death 2 or something might have drew the two together a little bit right. more. But so I guess in the story, you've beaten this evil witch called Exandria or Exandrilla. And um, that's, <laughs> that's a hard one to say. Yeah. Exandrilla. They really like X's uh, yeah. so in this in this uh, series. Well, that was so, cool because everything back in the day had an X in front of it yeah. to make it cool. So, yeah, it's it's, it's like lethal excess. So X. <laughs> C-E-S-S, so there's no E in there in the beginning. So, so yeah, so in the first game, you beat the witch, and what happens is she curses you again and teleports you 3,000 years into the future. So, and in this future, she's already enslaved the entire universe. So, or, well, her, like, her heirs and stuff like that are in charge of all this stuff. Okay. So, so um, you actually launch a mission to attack the witch's home planet, and so I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, this guy just seems like he's just out to just, you know, just kick butt. I mean, yeah. like, he's already beaten her once, and then she loses and sends him to the future. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm going to kick your kids' butt and save <laughs> yeah. the universe in the future. So it's very cool looking. It's, um, like I said, it's a shooter. So there's a lot of stuff going on on the screen. The graphics do look pretty good. Um, from what I've seen, so it's it looks fun. I, I definitely want to try it out. We should we should throw it up on the the Amiga that we we have it over at my place and, mm-hmm. and check it out and see how how it runs. Yeah. Now I guess there have been some whispers of a possible sequel or remake. So uh, this is really? not a game that's gone unnoticed. Um, like I said, critics really liked it, so it, it was good fun but it just didn't get bought a lot right, so right. Uh, maybe it just didn't have the greatest marketing or something oh that like happens but, that happens a lot right um so. yeah so i was thinking man if they do a sequel they need to bring hipple back to do music for it that would be really cool that would be wild it's like how barry leach had kind of his return with horizon chase mm-hmm. hipple gets uh, a new lethal excess you know successor or whatever yeah. and he gets to do the music that'd be wild yeah yeah i mean and you could see that playing on a lot of different systems i mean i mean now that you could throw on handhelds or throw it on consoles and cross by and stuff like that. So it could be really cool. And then you could even package maybe the old games as like uh, in the, like the extras section of a game or something. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I think it's time for our last track. Mm-hmm. It's my last pick actually. And I was kind of debating between a few and I think I'm going to stick with the, the one I originally tended to go for. So it's a track from a game called lock and chase on the game boy. And this is one of my first game boy titles ever. Mm-hmm. My mom got this for me. She was like, she didn't want me to get a lot of violent games. She, I mean, she did, but she didn't want to get me only violent games. Right. So she was kind of looking at, um, you know, something that would be a little bit more, you know, safe and wasn't so mm-hmm. like just brutal massacring and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to to kind of change my my way of thinking. And so she took me to Toys R Us, and I don't remember what the reason. Maybe I had surgery or something. It was like mm-hmm. a present for that. And she was like, okay, go ahead and, and pick out a title, but I'm going to kind of, you know, tell you no on a few if, yeah. you know, if it gets too crazy. And so I was looking around and, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. and, and even Game Boy titles were going for a lot back then. Mm-hmm. So there was a game, Lock and Chase, and it was, it was like, I think it was like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. It was really cheap and it hadn't been out that long. And uh, so the game came out in 1990 and I popped it in and it, the game is a lot like like Pac-Man, mm-hmm. and 
it's this it's an arcade action game right so you run around it looks like pac-man you play as a thief who has to rob banks and each of the bank yeah so my mom's oh, nice <laughs> yeah so she didn't know you know but uh so each bank has a different maze and you have to, there's like policemen and stuff who mm -hmm. chase you around and you need to collect all the gold coins and avoid those officers and it, the game is a blast it's really fun to play it's mm -hmm. so addicting and uh, i played it all the way through i mean there's like a hundred some odd levels but it's it's just really it's it's an amazing title. I really think that everybody should go back and try this game out because nice. it's, it's a fun game. This track means so much to me because of that experience mm -hmm. and the music. My mom even played this game. She'll nice. she'll be able to recognize some of the music too. That and probably like Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle and, and the Tetris music. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, this track is background music ten, and uh, yeah, it's just a phenomenal track. So we'll play it in a second, but. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us online at pixelatedaudio.com. We're on a bunch of other different social media platforms, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, uh, Instagram. So check us out there. Um, we have our Extra Life event coming up in November. So yeah. you can find the link to donate on the page there. Yeah, and it's really great. All the proceeds go to help Children's Hospital, help you know children in need to get surgeries and, and you know to get better. So. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these kids who, who go to Children's Hospital everything is paid for mm -hmm. and their their families who who you know have these crazy you know expenses for the bill yeah. like they just get covered and that's that's amazing right mm -hmm. there and something that we can do as collective as a, as a community as a video game you know community i think that it's just a, a great way to to do something positive mm -hmm. with a, a hobby that we all have yeah and it, like it brings us all together us friends to do something great and you know to use games to help other people and we're going to be streaming it all on twitch so i believe so yeah, yeah this year so, i think we're gonna have a few different twitch cameras and feeds going so yeah so it'll be fun so if you can you can check in we'll we'll let you guys know when and where to, to well check in, in advance in. well yeah. in advance probably the show right beforehand and we're going to be doing a uh kind of semi-live show too mm -hmm. i think over the 24 hours so it's going to be a 24-hour show no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> now uh but it's it'll be a lot of fun anyways if you guys want to join please you know join the team um you can find us just do a search for pixelated audio on extra life we'll put a link though mm -hmm. um you can check on our website but um yeah thank you guys for listening today anything else that i'm missing james no i think you covered it so once again, the track taking this out is Background Music 10 from Lock and Chase on the Game Boy, released in 1990. It was developed and published by Data East. I don't have a composer for this one, so use your imagination. Anyways, thank you guys for listening, and see you next week.